KD shines in his son's debut, John Morant keeps making news off the court, and is James Harden heading back to Houston? I'm Sammy Neighbor. Welcome to the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you doing, my man? Woo, feeling good, feeling great, Sammy. What about you, my guy? Uh, other than the Clippers play recently, I am doing great. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good. As much as I want to relish in this, I, I can't, Sammy. 0-4 when the Westbrook era is pretty tough. Moving on. Um, yes, you are correct, sir. We're going we're gonna to move on to a team playing decent basketball. Kevin Durant shined in his son's debut against Charlotte. He scored 23 points, had 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. 10 of 15 shooting, 2 of 4 from deep. Combined with Booker, they had 60 points together. Phoenix entered the game in fourth place in the West Endings, but looked like they might mesh really quickly. So let's just open it up with the big story. What did you guys think of KD's debut and how well the Suns played on their first night out as a full as this new squad? I thought he played really well, Sammy. Reminded me when he first joined the uh, the Warriors and when he first joined the Nets. Wasn't really their primary ball handler. Took his shots when he needed to and just let Booker and Chris Paul do their thing. What I really hope that they try to implement with KD is actually him be the ball uh, ball handler and have him and D-Book play the pick and roll and let Chris Paul just bring up the ball. Um, I think we all know that uh, how I feel about Chris Paul. I know I should be uh, not, I shouldn't be biased, but I, I, I'm cheering for KD, but I really want Chris Paul to stay ringless, John. Sorry, not sorry. But, but in, you know, uh, after reviewing KD, I thought he played well. You know, I, I don't know if you remember this, but when the Suns played the Bucks two years ago, right, I said that the Chris Paul was going to get his first ring. And boy, I will not make that same mistake this time. No! I, am, I am not going to say it. I know the Suns are, people are, are already putting them on the throne and saying that they're going to win the title this year. Look, Kevin Durant had a great debut. They played the Hornets. But if we're being honest, there's is probably, you know, Kevin Durant is one of those players that it's so easy to, to mesh with. That, I mean, he did it with the Warriors. He's going to do it with the Suns. He's that type of player because he's so dynamic. He can shoot the ball. He can drive. He does everything. He can spot up. The biggest thing, too, is he can spot up shoot. So regardless of the playing style of the Suns or whatever, whatever team he joins, he's able to fit. He did it with Brooklyn. He does it with every single team that he's going to be a part of. So that's not my concern. The concern that I have is, is JJ brought it up, is that Chris Paul is a geezer. Sorry for anyone that's older than 38. I mean, I'm calling myself a geezer, basically. And everybody else on this panel. But, I mean, for basketball, from a basketball perspective, that's old, right? And DeAndre Ayton, again, is he going to be able to take a backseat into a role that is not the focal point of, you know, the third option, even, offensively? And then their bench is a question mark. They have they, they obviously gutted their depth for Kevin Durant. So I'm not ready to claim them the, the best team in the league. I actually think the Bucks, they're my favorite. I picked them early in the season, and I'm going to stick with that pick. But the Suns are a contender. Anytime you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the same team, you're a contender. So great debut, but I'm not, I'm not ready to crown them. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it, Sammy. Yeah! 
I'm I'm with you. Uh, I thought his debut was impressive. I completely agree on your point that KD is maybe the most malleable player in the league. I think you can stick him on any team and he can fit right in with that roster no matter how ball dominant a certain player is. I think that's one of his best talents. I also think in a, in a weird way, that's kind of why he hasn't succeeded as an alpha on a team because he doesn't dictate the play necessarily. It's almost a good and bad depending on the, the roster around him. I think that's why he fits well with the Warriors because he could just slide in and play their style of ball. That's part of the reason that he didn't work with OKC because he couldn't necessarily uh, establish himself as the dominant player over Westbrook in a sense. So it all it's a good and bad quality. On a team like this, that, that this fit in his career is probably the most similar to the Warriors in terms of it's a pre-established roster already successful. It actually is helpful. Um, I agree with you on your Bucks take. I actually think this is probably at their best the number... This might sound like blasphemy, number three team right now. I like the Bucks and the Celtics as the top two teams in basketball right now, personally. I think they do have the potential to be the best team out West, uh, although Denver is going to be close. I have a couple concerns as well, though. The age is a big thing, and you're right about that, speaking as a geezer. Um, there's, there's a massive drop-off to this bench now, and if one of these guys gets hurt, it's going to be a problem. You look at who's on the bench now, it's Wainwright, Torrey Craig, TJ Warren, Landale Payne. There's not an established guy, unless Warren gets hot again, who can really step in and fill a cog. I, I worry about that. The second part's going to sound a little weird. I want to see what you guys think of this. There's kind of a lack of three-point shooting. If you look at this team and their strengths, Chris Paul's three-point shooting has fallen off a cliff. Booker and Durant, if you look at their games, are more mid-range guys. I don't see a lot of guys who can just get open and hit from the corners, like pick-and-pop kind of guys or guys like that. And it's actually a little concerning. This game, I know they were ahead for most of it, so it didn't come into play as much. But it was an example of that. Katie did hit a couple, Booker hit a couple. Combined the rest of the roster at four threes. So those are my concerns with this team. So let, let's take one more step back and I'll ask you guys this. Is this now your favorite out West at least? If not, I know it's not in the league, but out West, is this your favorite? If not, who is? No, they're not my favorite. I think Denver has the right to say that they're favorite because they have arguably the best player in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've always talked about how the best player on the, on the best team will go far and currently that's the Nuggets I want to give Nuggets their props uh, but like John said you can't count count out KD on any team right and I like how you guys compared how this, the Suns are pretty similar to the Warriors where you have these star-studded players you have your role players with specialties but instead of the three-point specialty that the Warriors had the Suns have the mid-range game with Chris Paul Booker and KD so I'm really interested to see if a team that will utilize the mid-range in the postseason, how far will they go? Because we haven't seen that in a while. And the Celtics last year, they were known for their mid-range with Tatum and Brown. But we saw how that could bite you in the butt when you do get cold. It's like what Charles Barkley said. You live by the jumper, you die by the jumper. But that was proven wrong with the Warriors. So, we'll see. Okay, now tell us the truth. <laughs> you picked the Warriors. I picked the Lakers, and Sammy 
picks the Clippers, but we don't believe him after this last week of basketball <laughs> that they've been playing. Pick them for what exactly? <laughs> to be the favorites in the West. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, as much as I would love to pick my Lakers, I think... Man, I like the Nuggets... I don't know, man. There's something about them. Maybe it's just because they haven't proven us anything yet. And year after year after year, they fall short in the playoffs. And I know they they have Michael Porter Jr. healthy. They have a healthy Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic is doing what he does. Aaron Gordon is playing really well. They have, they have depth. They have bench players. They have a supporting cast. But it's always, like, I, I guess it's, I'm having a hard time believing it until I see it. They yeah. have to prove to me that they're going to be able to take that next step. And until they do, I'm not going to crown them the favorites in the West. I think I'm going to have to go with... I think I'm going to have to go with the Phoenix Suns. I know I didn't I picked them to win it all, but I think, they, I think there's, they're going to win the West. Unfortunately. Yes, I know Chris Paul is still on the team. <laughs> Can I take back my answer? You, you had a really great argument, John. And the way I'm, the reason I'm taking back my answer, fellas, is that um, in the clinic we've always said defense wins championships, and we haven't seen great defense from the Nuggets. So I want to stick to my word. They're ranked what I think 15th the last time that I looked them up for defensive efficiency. So I, I kind of have to think that. It has to be a top defensive team. So if it's not going to be the Nuggets, I'm definitely not going to pick the Grizzlies. I got to no. go by the defending champions, the Golden State Warriors. I'm not biased. There it is. There it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Like we did. Right. Do we just we just waited seven minutes of this episode? If you did, just said that initially. I will tell you, my mind is blown by that answer. Um, I'm going to buck the trend. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because Denver always beats the holy hell out of the Clippers every time they play them. I'm buying this team this year. I think the West is wide open. I have a feeling that something on Phoenix, there's going to be an injury. The bench depth is going to get to them. I don't know what. I'm going to take Denver to make the finals this year. I Right now, I think it would be Denver, Milwaukee in the finals. And maybe part of me as a fan is hoping that because I don't think the Clippers are going to sniff the finals. And I think that would be a wildly entertaining seven-game series. But I'll go with that for now. We'll see if it holds up. Speaking of the Grizzlies, who JJ just spoke disparagingly about, um, John Morant is in the news again for off-court antics again. Get over here! This time, according to a report by the Washington Post, Ja has been accused of striking a 17-year-old kid with a closed fist during an incident at his home when they were just playing basketball. He apparently was angered by a bad pass that this this kid threw in his face and is accused of punching him 12 to 13 times and allegedly brandishing a weapon. You lose. So in an interview, he said he acted in self-defense and claimed that this kid started the fight. In addition to that, there was an incident at a mall in which his mom called him because she got an argument with a store employee at what I believe was the Foot Locker. Hell no, 
and he showed up with a full entourage, nine other people, and was heard saying, let me see what time this guy gets off. Hell no! So, we have multiple reports now of Jaw and his his crew and his his friends trying to be intimidating, trying to act out. He keeps on denying it. The team is now claiming they're constantly targeted. Where do you guys stand on Jaws, the player, and his actions, and the Grizzlies as a whole at this point in the season? If he spent as much time acting a fool off the court as he did practicing his three-point shot and his defense, he'd be a much more complete player. But jokes aside, I, I think, <laughs> like, is it premature to say, I guess I, I want to throw the question back to you guys, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack here is, is it premature to say that if he continues down this road, right, this is, these are misdemeanors, I guess you could say, and there's nothing, I mean, obviously striking a, seven, a 17 year old or striking anybody for that matter is not, it's not a good look. It's obviously like should never happen under any circumstances. But what I'm, I'm I'm trying to say here is that relative to obviously someone like Aaron Hernandez, he hasn't done something like that yet. What I'm trying to ask though is, is it too premature to say that he may be down a path quite like that, like Aaron Hernandez or something that would just be inexplicable and terrible if he continues down this road? Do you guys think that that's premature to say or do you think that's maybe a real concern it's definitely a real concern man we have to go by off behavior it's not just a one-time incident you have your mom acting up at the mall and you have to go to the mall and like instead of diffusing the situation you're gonna tell the mall security guard let me find out what time he gets off so i could step up to him like come on man like you're a multi-millionaire you could literally buy the mall. You don't have to start anything with a minimum wage security guard, number one, right? Number two, like the this whole thing with the 17-year-old kid, like what John said, and I don't want to repeat the same thing over and over, but you're a star. Why are you starting fights with a 17-year-old, let alone hitting him? And now there's a report that you're showing a firearm after you punched him 12 to 13 times, I think he got the point after the first punch. <laughs> what do you think? Good point. The, you just you just <clears throat> got a multi-million dollar deal with Powerade. You're becoming the face of the NBA, but this is a really like really really bad road to that could lead to the end of his career, which we all don't want to see like we were all huge John Morant fans but how quickly did that turn because all these you know events that happened within just a couple of months and Sammy I know you wanted us to summarize like what we think about the Grizzlies the Grizzlies aren't really making a case for anyone to cheer for them especially when you have Dylan Brooks trying to look like Steve Austin with his leather <laughs> vest and short shorts John, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fashionista, but you tell me. Am I? You know, <laughs> I was trying not to make a joke here, but I, I mean, when I'm reading this this story about the mall cop, I'm, 
for some reason I thought about Paul Blart immediately on his little Segway <laughs> rolling through the, the mall and John Moran is just you can't have it man he can't have it it, it, it just like I don't I don't understand it how old is John Moran he's what 24 23 so he's still a kid and I'm yep. not trying to justify it I'm not trying to say no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. but I'm trying to provide I'm trying to like you know maybe provide an explanation or reasoning behind it because you know when we were young we did dumb stuff i never did stuff like this but we did do dumb stuff absolutely and but again like you said it's like it's habitually right if it's if it it continues to happen over and over and over again then it's a concern if this was like a one-off thing but laser pointers i mean mall cops you have beating up kids like that's just, it's not just one incident so right. yeah and well in regards to Dylan Brooks you can't dress like that till you win the championship of Wrestlemania <laughs> let's just throw that out to start with yes so, sorry I, I mean like, I got that that just left me speechless I couldn't even yeah. when I saw that on TV I was like dude what is this man I, what have I we believe, come to yeah I believe it's in in LA this year uh, Dylan next month so go challenge whoever the champion is <laughs> so, you can, so you can rock that vest Thank you to our video producer RJ showing us. There you go. uh, Yeah, this video clip of Stone Cold and uh, Dylan Brooks. Yes, Stone Stone Cold Dylan Brooks Brooks. (laughs) challenging for the championship. You know Uh, what was what made me more upset more than anything is that they played the Lakers that night and they lost to the Grizzlies. Like that is, I just couldn't. I was sad for two days. Mostly because I on Twitter after that too. Yeah, even the even the Memphis PR department is acting like the team. Yeah. Yeah, and I love Shannon Sharp, but let's be real—he's like the—he's un- not a Laker fan. He's a LeBron James fan. He would jump ship from the Lakers real fast as soon as LeBron left. That's true. But yeah, man, um, with Jaw, it's just—you've got so much to lose, so much to lose. You theoretically have a 14, 15-year career ahead of you. You are potentially the face of the league. You legitimately have well over nine figures on the line, maybe 10, if he plays out that full 15 years. Like, come on, man. Everyone just wants to see you fall. Everyone wants to see you play, make things happen. No one wants to keep hearing about this same stuff over and over and over again. And then you turn around and say, well, we're the most hated team. You're the most hated team because you guys are acting like idiots. Like, frankly, there's just no other way around it. It's not because you've accomplished anything. The only time teams get hated continually is either if they play a style of ball that just annoys other teams fans because they're good at it like think the Knicks in the 90s when the Lakers won the 3P you when the Warriors kept winning that's when you establish people hating you because you keep winning not because you're pulling this crap off the court and it's just getting annoying because you keep talking like you've accomplished something so I legitimately hope that that's this is the end of this stuff I mean obviously the pattern's not good but I'd rather just hear about what he's doing on the court because on the court he's amazing but We'll see what happens. And that being said, we're going to switch up now. We're going to talk about the apparently stat-padding Nikola Jokic. Back-to-back MVP. So, for those of you who haven't heard this story, Kendrick Perkins, he of the stat-padding, apparently, accused Jokic of doing so and stated things along the lines of the fact that his teammates intentionally shoot as soon as Jokic passes to give him an assist. And he believes that Jokic is taking fewer shots and making more passes to accumulate assists. 
So, wow. Jokic's response to that when asked after a game in which he achieved his 100th triple double is, quote, I mean, when you're stat padding, it's easy. <laughs> uh, obviously, this was sarcastic. And when asked if he heard the criticism, Jokic added, of course it's true. So, I appreciate Jokic's attitude about this. Do either of you find any legitimacy at all in this comment or just Kendrick Perkins in general? I think it's 100% legitimate. I mean, if anything, Kendrick Perkins is the ultimate stat patter with a career point total of 5.4 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1 assist, 0.3 steals, and 1.2 blocks. So very close to Jokic's career numbers here clearly and so Kendrick definitely okay if you can't catch my sarcasm it's out of 10 right now I mean <laughs> like why is Kendrick Perkins first of all why does he even have a job probably because of crazy ridiculous takes like this yep. I mean like dude does he really think that Nuggets players Jokic teammates are intentionally shooting the ball right away as from a, getting a pass from him just so he can get an assist. It's like, man, I don't know what else to say. It's just like, it's just ridiculous to me. I mean, this is obviously just something that he says to get, try to get a reaction, right? Like what other, this is not, there's, there's no reason, there's like, this is illogical and I'll leave it at that. For me, yes. stat padding, when you use that word, it's associated to you're just getting numbers just for the sake of getting numbers and not for the wins. With Jokic, whenever he gets a triple-double, the Nuggets have won. They've actually won 28 straight whenever he gets a triple-double. So it's not empty calories as we you know we always say. People have been stating, well, with Westbrook, he's like Westbrook's that's that padding, which you could kind of agree with that. Like, I don't want to knock Westbrook because we keep doing it, or I keep doing it on the show. But when you do look at Westbrook, especially with the um, the Thunder days, he used to tell, for example, Steve Adams, I'm going to get the rebound. You better not get it. Right? But Jokic, to get assist, that's very, very difficult because you have to depend on the other man to make the point. LeBron James and Magic Johnson have openly said the triple-double scoring is the easiest, rebounding is the easiest. The hardest thing about the triple-double are the assists. So props to Jokic and I have nothing else to add because John hit the nail on the head. I don't know how Perkins has a job. He says the craziest stuff and we'll just leave it at that because if you don't have anything else nice to say, else nice to say then don't say it at all if there was a top 75 worst players in the nba i'm pretty sure kendrick perkins would be on that list <laughs> tell me i'm wrong i believe that anniversary is coming up shortly um <laughs> uh, i'm i don't have much idea either i mean i think Jokic is i think it's pretty easy to say by far the best passing center we've ever seen right mm-hmm. um so, so to, to claim that that's stat padding when what he does has never been seen at his size in the league, like realistically the closest passer we've seen at his size is Magic Johnson, who was a point guard who just happened to be 6'9", and obviously played a completely different position. Um, yeah. Jokic is an incredible player, and accusing him of stat padding might be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So, And also and, stat, padding, yeah. stat padding is, is, sorry to interrupt, but like... No, please. 
JJ's point is great because stat padding, you know, stat padding is, is stat padding when guys are putting up crazy numbers and their team is losing. Right. Westbrook is a prime example of that. Right. Well, the most ridiculous stat padding I can think of to describe a completely different kind of player, if you guys remember this, was when Ricky Davis played for the yes. Cavs yep. and Missed once threw the ball intentionally <laughs> off the backboard to try to get a triple-double. Props to the scorekeeper in that game who refused to give him one for that ridiculous attempt to get a triple-double. Wow. With that, we're going to go ahead and go to a word from our sponsor. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so going to our next story, a report has come out that the Rockets plan to pursue James Harden this summer if he declines his player option, which is expected. The Sixers are unconcerned at this time, according to The Athletic. So per The Athletic, they said, and I'm quoting, uh, paraphrasing, I should say, that Houston is widely expected to go back after him once he declines his option. And the surprising part is that Harden seems to be interested in a return. Now, timeline doesn't seem to fit here. Obviously, Houston has fully embraced the tank wagon. They've got a lot of young players, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Shangun, Kevin Porter, KJ Martin, just to mention a few. They're also currently the favorite in terms of lottery odds, though those are flat, but of course we have uh, Wembenaya in this draft. So all of that is playing into this and in addition they have all of the picks from the Harden trade to begin with so it's a weird fit and my question for you guys is just from the side of the Rockets and the potential pursuit and Harden and going back there do you guys does this make sense to you guys like what do you think and if you don't think it makes sense basketball wise on what what do you think the motivations would be uh, for both sides and I'll uh, just to kind of kick this off. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll start here with John. Um, I don't know what to think of this because to me this is complete BS. I'll be honest. I just don't know why. And I, we kind of talked about this before the the show. Is that I just don't know why Houston would want James Harden back, right? I mean, they have like like the you said you said Sammy. They have a group of young guys who they can develop, Jalen Green, uh, Sanguin, Sanguin, I think I'm saying his name correctly. He's a solid player. Um, he's a big, he can do some things. Kevin Porter Jr., I know he's got some off-court issues that have been reported, but he's still a talented player. And then their pick, they're the, one of the worst teams in the league this year. They could potentially get Wemby, right? And I just don't know, like, James Harden, how old is he? He's got to be 34, 33 years old. So he's up there in age. I mean, like, pairing him with a young core like that, you're not, typically you're not going to win a championship or even compete. That's just not how it works. I mean, we even they even tried that with LeBron James when he first came to the Lakers. He was 34 years old, I think, 34, 35. Paired him with a bunch of young guys. 
I mean, they were they they played well, but they were never a serious contender for the championship until they traded for Anthony Davis. So for me, this doesn't make this makes zero sense. And sorry, Sammy, what was the second part of your question? Just what do you think the motivations are from both sides, Harden and the Rockets? I don't know, man. I'm like James Harden. It must be the motivation from his end would just be, I think, going back to Houston. I, I remember an interview where he said he loved Houston. And I think he has a restaurant or he has business ventures there. In I'm sure he's got a couple businesses there, but I'll yeah, that's, say what kind right, of right, yeah, we'll um, keep that. We'll keep that under wraps for the for the recording here. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't see any basketball related motivation here from James Harden, either for the Rockets. I don't know what what this doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for words, uh, and I want to get JJ's thoughts on it though. Yeah, it seems like. James Harden and the Rockets, if they do get married again, they're going in reverse in terms of progression. You have James Harden who demanded a trade out of the Nets to go to Philly because Philly is a contender. If If he were to go back to the Rockets, he's not really contending for anything except for the worst defense in the league, which they're blatantly winning by a landslide this year. By giving up 113 points the past two games to Dame and Clay, okay, you would think that the Rockets would want to get a vet that could guide them in defense and how to be leaders, especially with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., who haven't been really leading much. And even John Wall has criticized them of the lack of leadership. John Wall, John Wall is telling you how to behave. I don't know what to tell you. That's not, that's like that's that that's crazy to me. So, in terms of the Rockets, I guess the move is you know they have loyalties to James Harden. He gave them all those good years. It's like that one football player after his glorious years on the team. He's a journeyman. He comes back to the last year and plays with them. And it's like uh, you shouldn't even have came back. So this is how I see it. Um, maybe, maybe we're due for this, though, fellas. Maybe James Harden should go back to the Rockets because we need more comedy in the NBA. So make it happen, Daryl Morey. Trade Harden or go back with Harden this summer. Sam, what do you think, man? I'm I'm kind of at a loss too. I mean, the only thing I can tie it to is um, the comparison that or that John was saying that Harding seems he obviously must love Houston I'm thinking of it kind of when when LeBron initially signed with the Lakers a lot of the reports were that he also went just because he loved LA wanted to settle down there wanted to raise his family there by all means we've seen that's been very good for Bronny and Bryce just going to Sierra and playing basketball there among other things and Maybe that is what it is. He's just at the point where he's almost near the end of his career. But if this actually happens, that really speaks a lot to where Harden is. I don't mean this as an insult, just as analysis, that clearly the most important thing in his life is not basketball at this point because he would not have won a championship. He hasn't been to the finals in, what, 15 years, I think, since the OKC team um, when he was 19, 20. And obviously, he knows signing this contract that he is not playing in the championship before his career ends unless he leaves Houston again. So 
that would speak volumes. Uh, it would leave Philly in total shambles because I believe they'll still be capped out because they're paying Tobias Harris and P.J. Tucker, obviously Embiid as well. So that part's not getting talked about here, that this does not give Philly the options to replace him with another $40 million player. They will not have anything uh, unless they create flexibility. And I believe Maxie's also going to be new for a new deal. On the Houston side, the only couple things I can think of is I don't know how their attendance has been this year. This would be a business decision maybe to sell tickets. I know their owner, The um, a lot of the stuff that came out when Harden left was that he was very petty in a sense. And when Maury left, they kind of had a little bit of animosity. I wonder if it would almost be like trying to pull the one over and saying, look, I got my guy back and I got all these assets for him when we traded him to begin with. Maybe that's part of it. Those are the only things I could see. I I do wonder, uh, all joking aside, if James misses the establishments in Houston, you know, the way that old Lou Will loved the wings at Magic City in Atlanta. Maybe there's some similarities there. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but that's all I could see. I mean, this clearly would not be a basketball move. This would be a personal reasons move for Harden and a business decision for Houston. So anything I'm... Anything that we're possibly missing there, guys? Do you think that they would try to trade some of these guys and try to do kind of what LeBron did with the Cavs, trade the first pick that was Wiggins for love kind of thing? Or are they so far away that that's pointless? I mean, if you get the first pick in the draft and Wemby declares, it, like, is it crazy to trade that? I feel like the answer is... Uh, resounding yes. yes i agree completely you do not like, rate him crazy like, and idiotic you yeah don't, the trade like, that you make is jabari smith and wow. shangun right maybe. and i'm just trying to think through right if you were to get james harden you want to pair like do you pair him with Wemby? because Wemby, uh, you know what i mean his potential is through the roof but right. what is he going to be that type of player that's going to be able in the first year first two years with james harden assuming that he gets traded there or a signs there, excuse me. Like, is that team going to be able to be comp- competitive for a title, compete for a title? I don't know. So, like, to me, if James Harden gets trade or signs with the Rockets, that Wemby first round pick or, or first overall pick can grab another superstar that you can pair with him. But to me, that just I don't I don't know how that would work. But that's just right. my thought. Okay. JJ, any thoughts about that? Do you think there's anything they can do, or is they are they just going to sign him and be content to be the 10 seed? I think they're going to just sign him if they do and be content. Okay, I I, I think I'm with you. Um, the only thing I could see is Shangun if they win the lottery and they get Wemby. Shangun is now no longer needed because he would be their center, so he they could get a decent return for him. Uh, that would also mean that one of Porter or Jalen Green would be expendable. The only thing with Porter is if you guys recall. They got him for next to nothing because of the off-the-court problems that he was having, I believe it was in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, went, so I don't know what kind of value he would have. So it's an interesting dynamic. They have all this young talent that individually puts up stats, but we've heard a lot of rumblings just that that team is not professional. So we'll see what happens this summer and if this actually comes true or if it just ends up being a rumor that goes by the wayside. But that being said, I'm going to move us to our last story of the day. Going back to a player we've discussed a few times, Trey Young. Another report has come out again about the locker room in Atlanta. And this report says that he is not beloved in the locker room and is not really a leader. 
doesn't really know what's required of him. And just that the vibe is, quote, broken, broken, ugly, and total S. And I'll leave it there. Uh, it does seem like there's a disconnect. We know that multiple stories have come out in the years past that he and John Collins have never gotten along. Um, so it makes you wonder, is there going to be a trade? And an NBA executive said trading him, they'd want a ton to trade for him. And we don't know if anyone would actually be willing to trade that much. Another GM said, quote, you can't win with him. So it's thought that Quinn Snyder's hire played directly into fixing this team's vibe. So let's break this down on a couple things. So first of all, first thing I would ask you guys is, do you think Trey Young can be the number one or even the number two on a serious contender? And the second question I would have for you is, do you think Quinn Snyder is a coach that can fix this team as is, or is a winning organization in Atlanta not the one that currently exists and needs some roster reconstruction? What do you guys think? So I'll cover the, the Snyder question first. So Snyder had his tenure at with the Jazz for a while and he changed the culture. Like they're a really great regular season team. John and Tammy, not postseason, regular season, which you know a lot of teams would love to trade places to even have the opportunity to go to the playoffs. I.e. Orlando Magic. My only drawback about Snyder's that your star players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert did have really bad relationships with your coach. And Trey Young, Trey Young really strikes me as one that he had really bad relationships with his past coaches, including the previous one with McMillan. So can Snyder actually develop a good relationship with Trey and go far in the playoffs? I think part of the issue that everyone has with the Hawks is that we have, well, not us, but especially Hawk fans, they've experienced going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They experienced upsetting teams, but they haven't done that as of recent years, especially last year where you have Trey Young who had a few playoff uh terrible game scoring nine points 12 points here and there and you know as a leader you can't just talk your smack you gotta back it up as we always say here so for me Snyder I would hope he changes the culture but his resume with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert say otherwise John what do you think you know I don't I don't think Trey Young can be a number for the fact that he thinks he's always going to be a number one and in order for you to be a two on any team you need to take a step back and allow the number one to be the alpha so for that reason I don't think he can be a number two I think he should be a number two but I don't think he's capable of it now in order to be a number one I think you need to have be more dynamic than Trey Young is and that's not a knock on him. He's a great player. I think he's he can score, but he's a volume shooter. He's not efficient. He can pass. He's actually, I would say, he's probably a better passer than he is a scorer. And I know that sounds kind of crazy because he's putting up great numbers. But honestly, he's, he's he was underrated as a passer in college. 
and he's actually able to distribute a lot um, in the NBA. But his defense, because of his size, he's just not going to be a good defender. And I don't think he has the all-around game. He's not someone that could... And I know they made the Eastern Conference Finals that year, but there were a lot of things that had to go their way. And I, I have to admit that I, my take on Trey Young was wrong, I think. Like, the more and more I've watched him recently, the more and more I'm starting to think that you guys are right about him. Like, he's not the guy that can lead a team to a championship. And I said that previously. I said the opposite previously, but I think I'm wrong on this, this one. And I don't know. I, I think he can be a great piece to a championship team if he's a number two. But like I said, I don't think he's capable of it mentally because he's always going to think he's a number one. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of Quinn Snyder, I, I think he's a, a solid coach, which I think is a good coach. I just don't know. Like, you need to have the personnel, right? And I don't know if the Hawks have that currently constructed. They can score a lot of points but they can't really play any defense. They're kind of like the Dallas Mavericks, if I had to compare them to a a team, is that they can score a lot, they can't stop anybody. And so I don't, I don't know if he can, Quinn Snyder can do anything magical with this personnel. Sammy, what do you think? So I'm I'm with you on on most of this and I'm thinking about Trey and I've never spoken, I, I agree with you, I think he's a good player. I definitely don't think he is the number one guy in on the team. And I was trying to find a comparison for the type of player I think he is in terms of on-court style and leadership or lack thereof. So I one player came in mind. I'm just going to give you guys the stats and see if you can figure out who I'm talking about. So this player at his peak had a season of 29 points a game, 37% from three, uh, 45% from the field, six assists a game, uh, 80% from the line. Great numbers, right? This was back in the early 2000s. Who do you think I'm talking about? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Warrior Legend Monte Ellis. What did you say, JJ? Steph Marbury. Starberry. Starberry. I think yeah. your your <laughs> comparisons are close. This is Gilbert Arenas. Ah, oh. uh, okay. Okay. But they're kind of like on the same... Same type of tier. player. Same type Shoot of player. Shoot first point yeah, guard, player. small, not a good defender. Always thought they were the best player on the court. Maybe irrationally, which can be a good quality, but it's not always. I was really starting to think about it, and I think that might be the comparison for Trey Young. Almost like a designated hitter. Like, an we talk about guys that can't play defense. I mean, he's... The eye test tells me he's one of the probably worst defenders in the league. And I don't have the metrics to back it up right now. I usually look them up, but just based, part of it is based on size and part of it is just based on effort and attitude. And you can tell the attitude with him is that we keep hearing his reports that he almost feels is entitled, the word, in terms of how he carries himself. So I think Snyder is a great regular season coach primarily, and I think he'll do what he can but I think this ends with Young getting traded in the next two years. Where, I don't know. And I I don't know if there's gonna be a team desperate out there that thinks he can be that piece. Yeah. But unless the mindset changes, I don't think it's gonna matter where he goes. And the point you made, John, that I was thinking about, it's a really good point, is that the problem sometimes with certain players who are good enough to be number twos is that they 
never recognize that and they still keep carrying themselves like ones. Like, I know we keep talking about it, but that's primarily why Westbrook has had some trouble the last few years. And going the other way, and I actually appreciated this, Paul George came out on Reddick's podcast and specifically said, I knew I wasn't a number one, and that's why I needed to go where another star was. And I know some people come out, especially because of, you know, George's failings in the playoffs, and will use that to take a slight at him. I actually think that's a good quality to understand, that you are yeah. a star, but maybe you're not necessarily the, the number one guy. Because in this league really what are there maybe 10 of those guys that can be the number one on a championship team maybe so understanding you're not that guy is not a bad thing it um, shows awareness it does exactly and i don't think trey young has that awareness yet he's still also a very young player so maybe he'll develop it but also yeah, to add, ahead, a leader wouldn't say that they're bored of the regular season yes after especially after one of year of playoff success one year of playoffs uh-huh. Do you do you know also too is that there's a lot of players and you named them already a few of them Sammy Westbrook and Trey Young there are, I'm sure there are a lot more I can't think of on the top of my head but they have a hard time they cross that line which is a very fine line right about between having and being confident and having that ego and they're not able to really find that balance they like Westbrook it's one thing to be confident but to let your ego get the best of you it doesn't allow you to become accountable and make man up for your mistakes and your shortcomings and try to address them westbrook doesn't do it because he's never been a good shooter he's never improved in his shooting in the entire time he's been a, a basketball a professional basketball player trey young i'm sure he can be a much better defender but he's not acknowledged they don't these guys don't acknowledge their errors you can't you can't fix something if you don't acknowledge there's a problem to begin with. And and that's kind of like, it's disappointing, right? Because these guys have so much potential. Right, and just to, like the last thing I have to say about this is going the opposite way. When players who are still superstars in their own right understand that and can adapt, it ends up creating like this beautiful basketball and great success. Like the two guys that I can think of off the top of my head, Dwayne Wade is the big one with LeBron, like understanding that at the time, he was a top 10 player, as far as most people were concerned, previous MVP. And he still knew that he wasn't the best player on that team. And look what happened. That team ran off, what, a 26-game winning streak, if I recall, and went back-to-back titles because he got that. The other example I can think of is, even though this never came out, I don't think, JJ, correct me, Steph when KD showed up. Yep. Like, it was still Steph's team, but he understood that in that couple years, KD was the best player in basketball. And he never complained, never said a word, just blended with him beautifully. And that team ended up running off two titles where it was a joke because we knew from the beginning of the year they were going to win because there was no clash of egos. And Clay slid into a number three, and we never heard a word about it. No one complained until the last year when Draymond and Katie yelled at each other. But that's another story. (laughs) Um, But with that, that just proves like who's about winning and who's about themselves, right? 100%. 100%. And, and when when they're about winning and they can adapt, we get teams like that Warriors team and like that Heat team, where the encore product, whether you're a fan of them or not, just makes you want to watch because it's beautiful basketball. But with that, that's actually all we have today. I want to thank you guys both for being on. JJ, thanks for being on. Thank you, everybody. Love you all. John, thanks for being on. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a good night. Shout out to our, our missing hooligan and our normal uh, head host here, Ro. We'll hopefully see him on the next yeah! episode. 
Want to shout out RJ, our video producer? Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and find us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.